Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, it's another great show, Sandos and Sidekick, the podcast, episode number 10. We're in double digits, so we've at least made it that far. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher with you. And although the result uh, was a little more than what I think Buck fans were hoping as far as the loss to Tennessee, certainly it was a win for the program just to be down there, just to be able to compete, to finally take all the negative things that were used against them in recruiting to be taken away, and Mother Nature was not the friend of ETSU. Jam-packed show. We'll recap that game coming up in just a second. We'll do so, uh, Mike and myself, in just a second. Then we'll have our sideline reporter, Robert Harper, get his take on it down there. He's been inside that stadium uh, as a sideline reporter uh, previously with his alma mater, the Marshall Thundering Herd. So certainly uh, he's got a little bit of more perspective than maybe uh, me and Mike do as far as that goes. The other thing I thought um, – you know, we could talk about him because he also did the, the play-by-play for Marshall. Uh, I'm sorry, not Marshall, Mars Hill, that first game. So, certainly he can kind of break down the difference in, in talent. And then, really, I think uh, everyone would agree the real season kind of kicks off this week because the rest of the season will be against FCS opponents. One more non-conference game, which is homecoming against Gardner-Webb. The rest of the game's Southern Conference action. Well, also, uh, is it pros versus Jays this week? Is that what we it's got? pros versus Jays. Yeah, Jay knows the English language. It's still coming along. We're still gathering information fielding intelligence reports, so pros versus Jays is going to be this week. Yeah, and then last but not least, uh, grading bold uh, predictions. And uh, I was up till about 2.30 uh, in the morning cashing one of mine in on Saturday night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, actually, I watched the end of that, too. Term. I watched the end of that, too. So we'll talk about that and much more. But let's, let's jump right into the, the breakdown of this game. It's a 10 nothing game. That's after a block punt. That's also after Quan Harrison was missed deep. Uh, Logan Marshy, I thought, rolling to his left off his back foot. I thought he threw a 50-yard BB down there. Harrison just couldn't quite catch up to it. That would have made it a little closer, 10-7. Lightning delay, weather delay, and I think what would have happened probably coming out of halftime just got a jump start. Whatever Coach Pruitt said, they also came out and played more um, what Alabama football, is that a better word? It was smash mouth football, a couple tights, a power uh, running game. They just went eye formation. They ran to the weak side of the formation, short side of the field quite a bit. Had some success. That touchdown made it. Uh, they cashed in right after because the Bucks had punted into the weather delay. That made it 17 nothing. Then all of a sudden the turnovers happened, and it kind of steamrolled into a 38 nothing halftime score. Yeah, that's the frustrating part about Saturday was you were getting what you were hoping you'd get through 18 minutes of the game. Uh, the team was playing, um, I don't want to say right with Tennessee because you had the mistakes, but you take out 
Uh, the blocked punt, you take out the 51-yarder from Garantano to, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who the receiver caught it was, but down about the five-yard line. And then you, you hold them to a field goal, too. And so that's a big win for the defense. Defense feeling confident. You take out that 51-yard gain. The two teams, each defense had allowed about 30 yards up to that point um, if you take out that 51-yarder. And then, like you said, Logan Marchie overthrows the one deep ball, and that kind of hurts. So three plays somewhat you know varying levels of mistakes from you know kind of smaller when it comes to the out and up it's like you know defensive backs are going to get beat on those plays um, especially ones that are in that kind of environment and are just out athleted if that makes sense I, I mean just on the outside it was always going to be tough to stop those receivers and then you have of course the blocked punt and that's the one I'm sure that irked Randy Sanders and irked that coaching staff because I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that each team every year is going to have one to two blocked punts each season. And the place you don't want it to happen is when you have an, a situation like ETSU did where you literally can't make any mistakes in order to keep the game tight enough to where you can pick up a victory going into you know the third, fourth quarter. You're close, and then you can kind of sneak one out. And that's what Randy Sanders said. That's what he wanted. He said, I want to keep it close going into the third, going into the fourth, and, and then you never know in that fourth quarter, last 15 minutes, everybody starts to tighten up. You start to uh, make some mistakes maybe on the other side of the ball because you're like, well, are we going to lose to ETSU at home? And I was kind of hoping, and of course we talked about this in the broadcast where we were killing some time during that lightning delay. I certainly thought that the lightning delay helped Tennessee because, as you said, it gave Jeremy Pruitt a chance to go into the locker room, hit the reset button, as he probably would have at halftime, and get in his guy's ears. And he was unhappy on the field before uh, they went to that lightning delay a number of times with some of his men. So it speeded things up, and I thought that it certainly helped Tennessee. And as it proved, it did. Um, I, just frustrating because you don't know what would have happened those other 12 minutes of the half if that delay hadn't have come. I, yeah, and I, I think the delay clearly got Tennessee a chance to get refocused because going back to your, your first drive where the, they threw the long ball, I think it was Josh Morgan made, made the 50-yard grab. DeLint's able actually honestly not to give up on the play, track them down. And then the next two plays were tackles for a loss, and the Sear player, Jason Madua-Fakwa, and I think that kind of opened up Tennessee's. I was like, I kind of felt like they hit a big play and was like, okay, this is how it's going to go. Next thing you know, held to a field goal. Defense bowed its neck on a couple more drives. Unfortunately, the, the block punt led to 10 nothing, And then I think Tennessee got challenged in the locker room, as you can imagine, Coach Pruitt. And I think it's the same challenge that happened ETSU Mars Hill. Was, look, you, you guys are the bigger, stronger, more physical team. You need to act like it. And I think ETSU did that in the second half of Mars Hill. Executed a little better, and, and Tennessee did as well. And, Jacob, we have some audio from Randy Sanders. You can go ahead and hit that first bite. We came out and played really well early. We had the one miscue on uh, – Punt protection, but other than that, I, I, I thought our defense was flying around, playing with great effort, playing with a lot of passion, playing with a lot of energy. Uh, offensively, um, you know, we, we, we weren't quite doing what we wanted to, but we, we, we knew coming to Tennessee and coming down here and playing this defensive team with, uh, with some of the guys we got, it was, it was going to be a huge challenge, and we were going to have to play very well. And we were just hoping to find a way to stick around, get you know, get it to the third quarter, late third quarter, fourth quarter with a chance to win. And, and we were on that track. And so there's Coach Sanders saying exactly that, that it was going to be one of those things where if you can get it to the third, get it to the fourth, you never really know. And then he moved on and talked about kind of post-lightning delay and what the trip meant as a whole. Great job by them, you know, Coach Taylor and uh, Coach Brown, Coach Day, Coach Uku, Coach uh, Llewellyn, they – you got those guys ready to play, and, and, and our defense has some experience, has some maturity, and uh, we got some good players over there. And they went out, and they, they were kind of carrying it, and I think I would mentioned our defense was going to have to kind of carry us a little bit early in the season until the offense can get caught up, and 
they're, they're certainly doing a good job of that so far. And hopefully we can get another effort like that next week. But offensively, we, we got to get ready and play better. So that's an interesting point that I hadn't heard Coach Sanders talk about before with us, and I haven't listened to every second of every audio that we have. Come darn close, but I haven't listened to every second of everything he's told us throughout the early portion of the season, from the spring, from the fall. But he was very prepared that the offense was going to take quite some time to get in place and get caught up, and he kind of alluded to it last week a little bit um, in a few different sound bites we had about how the offense was only really running probably 15 20% and the defense was running 15 20% of what coach Sanders wanted to do um, but he really did focus on this week talking about the fact that the defense has to be the unit since Billy Taylor's back you're doing a lot of the same things with that defensive side of the ball and Randy's obviously trying to install a whole new system on offense but that's going to have to be that thing that carries the ship early in the season well and I think there's still even some bright spots with that as well with uh, Randy Sanders for the simple reason of you know, the offense, and there was uh, there were some times, obviously, they were outmatched, but for the most part, like, they picked up blitzes. That was something last year ETSU really had a hard time with was just not having everybody in the backfield. Marshy, for the most part, did have some time to throw the football, and as you would expect, it, running game was tough to come by. I mean, obviously, Bucks tried to get on the edge. The linebackers are just faster. The ends are just bigger. So there was some things there. Now, there were some bright spots. I thought Holmes had a couple carries that he was fine. I think Sailors came in and had a couple huge plays for ETSU. I think maybe the toughest thing was for the receivers because you look at, okay, you knew you had less time to throw the football, which means the defensive backs knew they were going to be able to play a little tighter coverage. They're obviously a little bigger than the cornerbacks and safeties that you're used to in the Southern Conference. So I think there was some things defensively, but I did think there were certain things ETSU did do offensively that did uh, spark some life because Keith Coffey got behind the defense. We talked about Harrison's play. He's behind the defense. I think there was a couple other just misreads from Logan Marchie, and you certainly can tell, again, he stands about six foot. The defensive linemen are 6'3", six, 6'4". Three, six, They're three bills. That's not – I mean, you might see 300-pound defensive linemen in SoCon, Wofford especially, but those guys aren't 6'3", six, 6'4", six, right? And they certainly don't move the way that the defensive line. So it took some of the, the lanes that you could see away. I think Matt Wilson talked about that very well, being a six-foot, six-one quarterback himself. But I think, you know, the, the Bucks missed some opportunities, but they had opportunities. I think you go back to the film room, I don't know it was as bad as the score indicated for the offense. I know there were some tip balls that, you know, wasn't like Logan Marshy just threw into double coverage and got intercepted. Balls got tipped at the line again. Bigger defenders. They were blitzing a couple times. Linebackers got a hand on it. So I think there were some certain – things that ETSU can look forward to, obviously those turnovers, the miscue in the kicking game, not just the punt block, but there was a turnover on a, a punt return, right? They put MJ Woods back there, the freshman. He fumbled a punt game, was out of hand to begin with, but fumbled a, a, a return. And so certainly there's some things that ETSU needs to shore up in the kicking game uh, moving forward into Southern Conference play. But I don't think the, the offense is, is – was as bad as maybe the it showed, and I certainly think this week against VMI we'll learn a little bit more. And and I think Coach Sanders, and I I don't think you were with me, but me and Steve May watched the whole walk through Friday. So there were a lot of plays that they were working on. They didn't even break out against Tennessee. That I'll be curious to see different formation stuff what they do against VMI. Coach Sanders did talk about the scoreboard a bit and overall what the main mission of going to Knoxville was. This game was as much about respect as anything else. We had to come down here and we had to earn our respect. And, and respect isn't always reflected on the scoreboard. You know, the, the scoreboard got out of hand, uh, really disappointed with the way that went. Obviously, we wanted to try to win the game, and we didn't expect it for the final score to be what it was. But our guys kept fighting, kept competing, kept battling, 
and talking to their coaches after the game, I, I, I think our guys got a lot of respect from a number of their coaches, and I'm sure their players too. And this is a process, and we're we're on our way towards learning how to play winning football. That's something interesting. I always kind of pick out a little thing here, a little thing there with Coach Sanders. Learning how to play winning football. And that's something that Coach Sanders knows from all of his stops uh, over all the years that he's been coaching and winning at a very, very high level, the highest level of collegiate football. So when you hear that, what do you think when he says learn how to play winning football? Being in games and being confident that you can win a game, or what does he mean by that? Well, when Crazy coach. See, we'll that's right. It's a great, yes, that's a great soundbite to keep for Thursday. But that's exactly what that is. Some teams know know how to finish, know how to compete, how to deal with adversity. I think that's the key. When adverse things happen, how do you react? And, and I think there are teams that does take a while to learn how to finish a game, how to win. You see it even at the pro level, teams that have leads that just all of us, they, they just can't do it. They can't finish that game for whatever reason, whether it's on offense, they just can't get that one first down they need. It's on defense, they can't come up with a stop when they need it. But it is sort of a learned behavior, and there is a little bit of, uh-oh, here we go again. And I think that's what he's referring to. That's a tough game, Tennessee, to, to do that. But learning how to play winning football, I, I think, really has to do with competing, how you handle that adversity is what he's speaking to. And I'm curious to see late in games, you know, ETSU really has been – last season was, was – was, you know, they won the Mercer game late, but they had a couple other games late. Citadel, Wofford at home, they had a chance – to, to pick up wins. Came down to the last drive. You go back to the last times. four years, and, and the Bucks have had a couple of those last-second wins. The Kennesaw State win on the road was Sanford. one of them. Sanford certainly one of them, and Mercer. But you look at it, they're, they're probably 3-8, and 3-10 and ten in that. And if you learn how to win, you're more 10-3 and three than 3-10. Three and ten. And so that can determine your year. You know, normally what happens in every season, and use football, they got 11 games, you're probably going to have a couple of games that are a blowout you win. More than likely, you're going to lose a couple games. It's more than a couple scores. The rest are going to be one possession games, especially in your league. And so, can you go four and zero in those games, or four and one, and maybe that gets you to eight wins? You know, gets you seven, eight wins. That's a chance at a playoffs. If you don't, you're four and seven, and you're not even in the discussion, right? You're not even talking about that. You're just battling, you know, late in the year to try to be respectable. So, that, that's that, that's my take on what he's talking about. Robert Harper, when we come back, right? Yeah, we'll talk to Robert Harper. I believe he's trying to dial in. We'll talk to him about the game against Tennessee, his thoughts, and moving forward, uh, actually really his thoughts on the first two games. We'll talk about uh, the game impending Saturday in Lexington, Virginia, against VMI and more. We'll step aside for a timeout. Sandos and Sidekick, don't forget you can download us SoundCloud. You can also subscribe and download us from iTunes. Listen to us from there as well. We'll step aside for a timeout. This is Sandos and Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, everyone settle down. What, what's all the commotion about? There's a new instant game launching in August? It's only a dollar? And there are 12 different versions featuring 12 different dogs? Celebrate the dog days of summer with a new Lucky Dog Instant Game. Collect the whole litter today, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Citizens Bank and our growing lending team are excited to support the game broadcasts of the ETSU Buccaneers. We are proud to provide a lineup of options that fit the needs of local businesses, whether it's an expansion loan, remote deposit service, SBA loan, or treasury management services. We can help your business grow. Visit our website or your local Citizens branch to speak with a qualified lender to learn more. From everyone at Citizens Bank, Go Bucks! 
Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! I feel like day after day it's all the same. I know there's more out there. I, I just can't reach out and grab it. <laughs> Does that sound crazy? Um, no, but I'm a butcher. Perhaps a nice seafood dinner would help? Oh, gosh, that sounds great. Excellent. I'll steam some shrimp for you. Really? No one's ever said that before. At Food City, our butchers can't solve your existential crisis, but they can offer a ton of other great services you won't find at most other grocery stores. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, it is Sandoz in the sidekick. We're joined via the telephone by our sideline reporter, Robert Harper. Actually, he's a little bit of jack of all trades. He's an ESPN3 play-by-play sideline reporter. He's uh, he's available for hire, just uh, whatever you need from him. But, Robert, thanks for taking the time with us. And uh, hope you're – are you still in Chattanooga today? Well, I'm somewhere between Chattanooga and Knoxville at the moment. So, um, if I, my connection is bad or – uh, if you hear a crying two-year-old, I apologize. Oh. Well, you don't have to apologize to me, buddy. I know all about the now. Mike, Mike may not understand it. You know, he's. I'm going to be mad. Yeah, he's a single guy. He, he has no no concept and no patience for that. But that's fine. We were there at one point in time in our life as well, so can't fault him for that. But certainly, looking at the game, and let's just start with the Tennessee game. Then we might backtrack a little bit uh, just to talk about the difference in, in the first two games and how maybe we still don't have an indication of ETSU, but. Robert, I think that the biggest thing of the game was ETSU early on, giving up that big out and up, uh, you know, not giving up a touchdown there and having a couple tackles for loss, at least let Tennessee know that it wasn't going to be just an easy day and the Bucks were going to roll over. Well, we knew going in. I mean, we talked with uh, you know, Bob Kessling. We talked to other folks around the UT program. I'm sure you guys have already touched on it. If not, you will. I mean, they were already <laughs> impressed with, with some of the guys up front, and, and obviously this here player was – the biggest name of that group. I think Jason DeFalco had a really good game. I think Trey Montfair was really good up front. I think Dylan Weigel, even in the linebacking core, played well. Avakra played well. So 
I mean, yeah, you, you talk about that one play, but I think it gave you know the defense the opportunity to uh, make a name for himself early on in that ball game. And I've said it even after the game. I think when it comes to just defensive linemen and maybe that front seven, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a better group uh, in the Southern Conference. You might find some better players but I, individually, but I think as a, as a core group, I mean, I think it's going to be really tough to find guys uh, that are as good as a front seven or front you know, eight as you're going to find at ETSU. And one of the things we talked about was the special teams, the turnovers, that, that can escalate quickly on you. Certainly it did, and uh, we talked about that already. I'm, I'm curious, your thoughts. We, we were we were talking right before you came on air about uh, learning how to play winning football. That was sort of a comment that Coach Sanders thought, and Mike had asked me kind of my thoughts on that, and that I don't think you've got to hear my thoughts. I'm curious about your thoughts because I think some people – take that and they go well 59-3 what what is he talking about winning football and and I had a take on what he's trying to say about the mentality of the team curious when you hear a coach say that uh, you know he's trying to teach a team how to have that winning mentality what that means to you you know I I think the winning mentality that he's talking about is play by play each individual play each individual assignment you've got to play to win that moment Um, and at the end of the day if that reflects itself on the scoreboard so be it if not, then we did everything we could do to win the football game. I don't think there was – I don't want to say a lot of hope, but I don't think there were a lot of folks, even in, in that core group, that went, you know what, we're, we're going there. We're going to expect to win. They knew they needed to play perfect, and they also knew they needed some breaks. But that doesn't mean you can't play winning football, even in that environment. And so to win every play, to win every assignment, to do what you have to do every time the football is snapped and even before – to be ready to win is, I think, what he's talking about. And that's, you know, it's a little bit different than winning football. Everybody talks about winning games, and, yes, that is winning football. But sometimes you can not play winning football and still win football games. And so uh, that's, to me, that's what I hear when you hear winning football is win every play, win every assignment. And then at the end of the day, if it reflects itself on the scoreboard, uh, then we've done everything we can do. Robert, for those that watched on the TV side and SEC Network and maybe didn't get it framed up, I'm not sure how much they focused on this before the lightning delay with the fans coming down from the stands and kind of the raucous scene that you were describing on radio. And because we didn't touch on it a whole lot in the rest of the broadcast, can you describe for everyone, because you were right in it, the chaos that the fans were creating with throwing the fans? And then, of course, there was the uh, warning from the referee that said, well, one more goes on the field. That's a 15-yard penalty. Did anything ensue after that i mean it happened afterwards here's the thing that i took from that which was is a marketing ploy gone really really bad um, they gave the students a bunch of hand fans i tried to describe it better because when you talk about fans throwing fans then you end up right. with people on the field and that's not yes. the way we want it to go i mean they were throwing hand fans it was annoying the players were in fact what was happening is most of the fans that were end up throwing those things on the field were ripping the handles off of them and shooting them like frisbees. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was just more annoying than anything. And you know, I, you know, they did make an announcement, and a few more ended up on the field after the delay. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really affected play. It was just more of an annoying situation. Anything, and I don't think the players were in any type of danger. Right, I didn't feel in danger, and I was standing right in the middle of it. Right, and I think the the when Randy Sanders asked for the warning, the Bucks were on offense and they were they were hitting 
on the field and landing where players could slip and fall. Yeah. After the warning, it really only happened after they scored, right? It was just after touchdowns. Right. It, it, it was after it was after Tennessee had the football, um, and it was Tennessee going in to score. I mean, it was, you're right. That was that was the time Randy Sanders made the the. the the push towards the officials right at the delay was, hey, listen, we got the football, and they're throwing stuff at us. It's very distracting in what we're trying to accomplish. And, yeah, it's the same defensively, but it was mainly after Tennessee did something good. I mean, they weren't throwing it in, in, in an attempt to, uh, I guess, disrupt play. It was mainly after play had already been completed. One other confusing referee moment was the review in the second half, and I know that the game, you know, at that point was relatively decided, right? It was 38 nothing going to the half, but coming out there's still lots of game to play, and ETSU trying to build some momentum, trying to take a couple positives from the game, but there was a review after a play had been run, so it was the second play removed from a controversial call. Can you tell us if you were able to glean anything from the referees or the chatter on the field, why the referees were able to go back and review a play that was in question two plays later? The only thing that I could figure out, and I didn't quite overhear the conversation because of the noise between Randy Sanders and the officials. I tried to get as close as I can without being right in the way. Um, It was just the fact that they didn't feel the buzzer, didn't hear the buzzer. and I, I think you know, Tennessee had this happen to them a couple of years ago, if not last year, where they had ran a play and everything looked like it was over and done with, and they came back and reviewed it and gave the football back to somebody else. I mean, it's, it, it really is a bad situation. It's not one that you want to have happen, but, you know, it, it was tough. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're tired. Let's get up there, let's run the play. That way they can't review it, and we can just move on. And that's exactly what happened, and then they decided, hey, listen, we need to review that play. And I don't know if the buzzer was going off on the official beforehand, and he never felt it. Uh, but evidently the, the folks up front were calling for that replay, or up top, I should say, were calling for that replay, and, and no one downstairs had, had stopped play prior to, I guess, the run uh, by Quay Holmes. So, you know, all in all, I mean, it's just, it looks bad. It's just a bad look. That's just, in my estimation, I know it's 38 nothing, um, but it's still a bad look on the officials, and I'm sure at some point they will uh, they'll try to clean that up. I mean, that's, that's, officials go through that stuff, too, where they – review games and how they operated on certain things and I'm sure that'll be a talking point uh, at, at some juncture this week if not going forward some other week. On the field just how loud was it and they reported the attendance is 96,464 did it look like that to you? Well I reported it as 100,000 I got corrected and then I said okay it's 95. Pretty good estimation. I, I, yeah it was, it was uh I you know I, it was loud I think it's it's louder on the field than you would expect. It's not the loudest that I've experienced personally uh, on that field, as a matter of fact, but it was still very, very loud, and I don't think there's any doubt that uh, anybody from ETSU would tell you that it was loud, too. Um, it's just you know, it's just a different environment. When you could be in the stands, like, and I, and I said this after the game, you could be in the stands and not feel the full brunt of that noise because you're taking away thousands upon thousands of voices directed at you when you sit somewhere in that stadium. But when you're in the middle of it and, and you're on that field, everybody's screaming right at you. So 95,000, it, it felt like 95,000, especially during that, that snowball effect that you guys talked about earlier where, you know, the, the interceptions happened, the touchdowns ensued, and, you know, that's where Tennessee kind of built that lead. So, yeah, it felt loud during those moments, there's no doubt. Robert, I think it's uh, hard to, to really know what ETSU has because you've had two different opponents you've had a, a division two team in which you should have beat you should have beat them up for some numbers you did you played an sec school 
they beat you up in, in a lot of the number categories as well. What would, you know, the next couple weeks, one road game at VMI, one home game Furman, I think will dictate probably more what ETSU is. But just having these two games to base off of, you know, what, where do you think ETSU is and, and what are you encouraged through the first two games by? I am of a different mindset. I think you know a little bit more now than you think you do uh, if you're Randy Sanders. And maybe I'm wrong, but I look at it, and I'm not a – Jay, you'll test it. I, I, I appreciate it for my time at ETSU, but my history is not with ETSU and ETSU football. So from an outsider's perspective, looking in, I think you know more now than you did. And from the positive side of it, I talked about the defense already. I think you know what you have there. Now, the question is, can you rotate in some other guys that can give you more rest so that in the third and fourth quarter in Southern Conference game, you're as dominant as you were at the start of that Tennessee football game um, in terms of pushing back a bigger and stronger offensive line. But I think you know what you have in that front seven, um, and so I think that's good. I think you need to find out a little bit more about the secondary, especially the safeties. What do Robinson and others bring to the table on a play-in, a play-out basis? because they weren't tested, I don't think, in really either one of those football games outside of one or two plays. Um, so that's on the defensive side. Offensively, I really like Marshy. I'm going to say this with, 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 some, with some temper here just a little bit, and that is I am a big fan of, you know, everything that ETSU has done prior to this point. But I think Marshy brings a different level of – athlete to that position and so I think going forward you have something stable at that position I think the running backs are solid I think Saylor was great the second half yet uh, last week um, but yes going forward you're going to find out a lot more I think you'll find out a lot more about v- about yourself against VMI a game that honestly I think you should win um, at least you should be in a position to win on the road and I know ETSU hasn't done that uh, since the return of football but I think, it's, I think it's a game that you mark on your calendar and go, okay, we can go win this football game. Um, and, you know, if you can do that, then maybe you're taking strides in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, VMI has actually lost 19 consecutive games. Their last win was actually, unfortunately, ETSU uh, a couple of years ago. Robert, we appreciate it, buddy. I guess I'll see you in Lexington uh, on Saturday, right? Yeah, well, and I want to clarify something. I was trying to get Austin Herring's name out there when I was talking about Marcy. But I'm a big fan of Austin Herring, um, and I, I think there's nobody at Johnson City that's not. But he's been unbelievable through this process. And I saw on the sidelines a couple of times, Jay, where him and Marshy were talking about progressions in the first and second quarter when Austin didn't know if he was ever going to get into the football game. Um, and that, that shows the type of, of guy he's been, even though he started the first three years, to hand the reins over. And I think, in my mind, from a, from a talent and going forward offensive perspective, the coaches have made the right decision. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I think we're, we're a little bit in agreement with you. Uh, not a little bit, we are in agreement with you um, as well. Robert, appreciate it, buddy. Safe travels back to, to Charlotte. Hope you and the, the Mrs. and the, the kids make it back there, and I'll talk to you. I mean, you, I'm sure we'll talk before we get up there on Saturday, but Buck fans will hear you Saturday up in Lexington. You want me to wave at Neyland Stadium on my way by? I've only been by like four times since this trip started. I, I mean, you can, you can. It was, uh, it, I'll say this, it was it was very hospitable to the media folks. It wasn't hospitable maybe to the team on the field, but it certainly was good to, was good good. to us, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. No, I appreciate it, guys. All right, Robert, we'll see you, man.
Uh, Santos and the sidekick will continue in just a minute. Uh, pros versus Jay. I don't. You you want to give a tease for that, or is that enough? Let's just say I'm pretty pumped up for this week. All right, here we go. I can't wait. All right, Jacob Townsend back in the studio. We'll have that for us. He's also going to uh, grade our bold predictions, in which I uh, I feel like was not very good for me again for yet another week, which is probably you might have gone over. Yeah, eh, shocking. Perhaps. Uh, although I've, I've I've got a couple protests I would like to throw. Out <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So Santos sidekick will continue in just a moment. We will uh, step aside for a timeout. Don't forget, you can download us on SoundCloud, download and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're working on the Facebook Live, getting that back up in a couple of weeks or so, so we should have that for you. Step aside for a timeout. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. You can get a day's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Hear from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. And if you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? 
seen anything like that. In the deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. Versus Jays? I need a shower. It's so unfair. That always makes me chuckle. Uh, that's so my unfair. favorite bumper that we have. And we haven't used a couple yet. And I want to take a segment at some point to go over some we haven't used or things that just missed the cut because oh, people yeah. may not know yeah. that this at one point was going to be a two-hour show. <laughs> yep. May one day be a bit again. Yep. Still may go to two two hours. But uh, the, the goal of the podcast, A, is to be successful enough that we can take this to radio next season so folks can listen not only on the radio, they also have a live element, yeah. Facebook Live. They certainly cover all the podcasts. Platforms. We can get it all at and get all the buck information you want. This was um, brainchild of uh, Mike Gallagher, and so I'm going to let him lead in uh, pros versus me. I do want to confirm one thing with that that play we were talking about that was reviewed uh, in the UT TSU football game with Robert Harper just a couple of minutes ago. That was regarding that. Uh, fumble that ended up not being a fumble. And on, on review, Tim Jordan in the first play, or the first drive, I should say, of that Tennessee second half, uh, it clearly was he was down. So they got it right, but just seemed like kind of a strange thing that you shouldn't be able to go back and then couldn't hear the buzzer in. I guess in front of 100,000 people, you'll give him a bit of a pass. But uh, Jacob Townsend back in studio. I'm just going to turn this one over to you for our topic of the week. Driven in the air toward left field. That ball is deep. That ball is way back. And it's a game winner. He walked him off. Grand slam home run. Rajay Davis. Mario and Pemba and Rod out. 17 years together. Drives this one in the air toward left center field. He put a charge into that one. And that ball is going to go. It's out of here to left center field into the bushes. And the Tigers are on the board. That sounded really good. <laughs> Great contribution, Rod. It's in the booth violence. It was apparently Mario Mpemba, the play-by-play -play man on TV for the Tigers, choked out by his own color analyst, Rod Allen. Deep right center field. That ball is way back, and Candelario has hit it out. Whoa, that ball went a long way. He turned around 96. <laughs> the fight between the two was apparently over a chair in the broadcast booth. A chair. That ball driven deep to left field. That one is going to go. That thing is way back and gone. There would be his first homer of the year. He walked him off! And he drives one deep in the air to left field. That ball hit way back, and that ball is gone. A grand slam for Brandon Geyer. On the first pitch, he connects. 
to give the Indians a 4-0 lead. That's the first time this year that Liriano has given up four runs in a game. They come on one swing of the bat. I walked out to get some coffee at about 10 o'clock this morning. But what 10 o'clock? You got the conference call at 10. Maybe about 9.15. But anyway, there was some... What in the world? over here. The ball We've got to find my Gallagher girlfriend. Mario and Pemba and Rod Allen. Yeah. And this was the big topic. Now, I'm not sure if you heard it at the end. So kind of that whole symphony that was put together very hastily this morning. I can't decide if I can tell that the simmering tension that's been reported between Mario and Pemba and Rod Allen was there. Clearly, Rod Allen lacks a bit of enthusiasm when Pemba's calling a big play, uh, except for the he walked him up. That was the only enthusiasm and excitement I could find in all of the calls that they had together, which is why I pulled out the five words that Alan had in that call and use them throughout the song. Uh, but guys that clearly at some points had so much fun together, you could hear in that last soundbite, it was Impemba and Alan joking about how Alan basically skipped a work meeting. So I'm not sure how invested he's been in Fox Sports Detroit for quite some time. But Rod Allen and Mario Impemba, you and me were talking about it off air last week and had to bring it back up for Pros vs. Jays simply to hear from you about any time that you and Matt Wiljam or Bruce Tranbarger or anyone, you felt that kind of vicious, visceral, just I can't stand you anymore. Can you imagine not liking someone to the point of choking them out over a chair. My whole goal in my broadcasting career probably hinges on not being choked out by my color guy. <laughs> like I feel not like you haven't given them reasons. No, it's fair. And and the the truth is, I, my my color analyst, I, I haven't ever, I, I honestly, anytime had any issues whatsoever. Or to my knowledge, I haven't had any issues. I could certainly see where. A lot of times in in this profession, you 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 kind of double and work with other play by play guys. They and, have Kurt Gibson and Jack Morris to go with Impemba as well. Yeah, so but I think it, earlier on it was just Allen. Yeah, but I, but it, you know, there's a lot when you work uh, like uh, just for example, Robert was just on me and him have, have combined to do baseball tournaments for ESPN before. Or we'll both trade off as play by play color guys. You know, I've worked with John Stevens, Keith Bragg, Don Hellman. And, baseball where we're really more play-by-play guys and just kind of fill in a little bit of color here A lot of guys there. do like first three, last yeah, three, exactly. and the other guy will take the middle three up. Same, same thing, and we would do that. And, and honestly, when I worked with those guys, we would just rotate games. So I would, you know, if I did the first and last three of game one, then I would do the middle of game two, you know, and just we'd rotate through there. So I, I would probably clash a little more with other play-by-play guys that were in color roles more than that. But, no, I haven't. Uh, now, if, there, if I had to pick a guy that was most likely – to be mad and choke me out, it might be Trambarger. I could see, he, <laughs> he, he, and that's only because I don't know if you can get a rise out of Matt Wilgham enough. I also worked with Tom Conrad for a while. You can't get a rise out of Tom, and and I've only seen Trambarger get a rise, but it wasn't really at our folks. I've seen him get mad at the other team or other SID at Wofford a, a few years ago. There was a little bit of a tense moment, and that showed me that you know maybe if you pushed a button on on Trambarger the right the the wrong way. But, uh, no, I've never – and I've never even heard of 
I've heard of play-by-play and color guys getting into it. That certainly happened before. It certainly happened with with uh, teams and their their play-by-play and color guys. But a chair throws me off because Is I don't know. Is there one that's way better than the other? I don't know that I've ever argued. Chair? I don't well, they were on the road. So here's a question. Did somebody have a chair with a back and a guy had a bar stool? Maybe Rod's got a bad back? I, I would like to have a little more <laughs> input on, I mean, I, mean, what, I mean, what are we talking about here? Like, like what kind of, because it was a road game. If it's a home game, you're, you're in the pros. You can probably just make a simple request. Hey, guys, give me a chair, right? I mean, and you get there. But if you're on the road, they were, they were the White Sox, right? They were in Chicago. When this, so not only do you get choked out in in your own booth, you get choked or in your own hallway of outside your booth, you get choked out in the visiting hallway of another booth. So how embarrassing is that that you get you get choked out and then no one's they, right. they don't know who you are. They took so it a step just... further, right? They took a step further in the press release to say that we flew them back on separate flights. Yes. Like yes. what? I mean, did you not even let them go to the airport together? Like, what are we talking about? They're also suspended for the year. They're not going to do any more games. Here's my thing, and I just love the old married couple, Alan and Pemba, that just literally cannot stand each other's presence anymore and may not be back together at all with being suspended the rest of the year, six months to kind of work things out if you're Fox Sports Detroit. I'm not sure if they will ever be side-by-side side again, but I am just completely unclear and unsure how that Impemba and Allen have gotten to this point, and really getting to this point, how it's that honestly huge of a deal. Like, I know you're supposed to treat coworkers with respect, but if I were Fox Sports Detroit, I would sit down in Pemba and Allen in the same room and say, guys, tell me that was one time thing. Can you get past it? And if you can get past it, put them back on the air together. Like, why is one guy choking out another guy that huge of a deal in broadcasting, I don't understand that person. Now you surrounded yourself with very, um, I'd say, good people. You know, well, Bruce Trabar, great person, and Matt Wilson, great person. A lot of people come in, great people. But those two, if they can stand each other, let them go back in. It's it's sort of the the, the old adage. I don't know if you've ever had friends and that. Uh, no. I've, I've, I've been on West well, Fair, but I've been on a golf trip where two friends literally probably had a little too much to drink and they got a fist fight. Oh, yeah. And then the next year they were like, well, should we invite those guys back? And I'm like, well, A, they've literally – and these these guys were in their 50s, for God's sake. Yeah. So the, but they were in their 50s, and I'm like, well, they've been friends their whole life, and if they're fine with each other, then yes. what, what do I care? I said, it would be one thing if because we bring so many people that don't know each other and one of them threw a haymaker at, at a – uh, then you know, you're for, out. Yeah, yes. I agree. You you go, but uh, if it's between friends or brothers or whatever it is, you just I think you let it go. The the other thing is, I mean, why shouldn't the play by play guy have the better chair? I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> if I can throw that out there, the now play by play guy should Will have. No, I'm just Barger, saying. Now they're going to I mean, who's you. more important, right? No, I, honestly, if I'm working with a working with ex college, but if I was working with a pro athlete and Rod looking at some photos doesn't look like a small man. Now, he's certainly a little up there he's in age. He's a heck of an athlete himself. But but he's a little up there in age. I would look at Rod and go, you can have the chair. Yeah. You know, that's – that's. I don't know. And, again, I think let's just face it, something had to boil over that the chair was the yes. final straw. There's no yes. way just the chair the chairs escaped caused him. that. That's right. The chairs just made the noise. I think it's being blown up. I think it's way too big. I think that Impemba and Allen should be back together because not only – is it just a one-time thing, and if they're fine with each other, they should be able to continue on? There's the appeal of what if it does happen again, and what if it's on air? That draws viewers in. That's great television. Oh, no, I agree with you there. So that's uh, pros versus Jays. We'll step aside. We'll find out what we got right, what we got wrong. Bold predictions. Our official scorekeeper, Jacob Townsend, will tell us that and more. Sandos and Sidekick will continue. Don't forget to download to SoundCloud. You can also... 
Uh, subscribe to us, RSS feed through iTunes. You can catch up every single day, Sandos and the Sidekick, Monday through Friday. We'll step aside for a timeout. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. All fair points. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher, Santos, and the sidekick. Jacob, can you play the bumper 
that we lead into Friday. Just in case people have not made the connection, remember LeBron James, Jason Witten, Cleveland Browns. Remember all of those. Can you go ahead and play the intro for Friday's Bowl Predictions? There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Kuma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving. Okay. No yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Jacob. Yeah, so, I just wanted to make sure that people were making the connection because you go over the weekend and you, you know, do whatever. You have an open mic, right? Things are said. People cut out bites, and, uh, you know, so we decided to make a whole segment out of it. So, And then people go back, and they find other yeah. things to make you look stupid on the Monday bumper. So All just right. in case people weren't making the connection. All right, Jacob, what do we got this week? All right, fellas, let's start off with the predictions about ETSU's game against Tennessee. Jay, you said that ETSU would win the turnover battle by at least two. That was a bit aggressive. A little bit. They ended up losing the turnover by th- turnover battle by three. And uh, really could throw in four because I don't think the block punt technically. It doesn't count. Counts as a turnover. It does, does it? correct. It doesn't. No. But weird. Uh, yeah, but still four. Because Tennessee was going to get the ball anyways. Well, uh, yes, I yeah, 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 but still, well, hey, I've always I agree that should be a turnover. But I will go ahead and say that I was four. So I was six off. Is that correct? Uh, if you count the punt, yes. Six. Ooh, yeah, and I will. I will count okay. the punt. Well, you're optimistic. I mean, you know, you can't blame the optimism. Uh, had, had, yeah, had to go bold. Had to go bold. Hey, Mike, Jay's got to stay positive with what we're about to get to for him here in a little oh, bit. Boy. Uh, but let's move to you first about your prediction for the game. You mm-hmm. said the Bucks would be tied or ahead at the half. Well, at the lightning delay, which was sort of the first halftime, they were down 10 nothing. Okay. At the actual halftime. They were down 38 now. Well, now, I think that you po- you bring up a good point. I think we should take the lightning delay as the actual halftime. That's the first time the teams went to the locker room. And then you take out the three plays that we talked about earlier in the broadcast, the overshoot of the receiver for Marchie, the 51-yard gain for Tennessee on the big over-the-top out and up, and then also the block punt. And you've got potentially a 3 nothing or 7 nothing ETSU lead. So I'm going to count that as a moral victory for me. I know it won't go down the standings. No, no, no. I'm that's a moral victory for me. Said he's I, against moral victory. Just, I just want to say this. Mike at the lightning delay was down 10 nothing, and I was uh, I lost turnover 6-0, so I won by four. That That's how I read that. When did we run the halftime sponsors at the actual halftime? It was 38 to nothing. <laughs> um, Jay, my let's move yes. to your NFL pick. Do we have to? I, uh, I mean, they didn't lose. Yeah, but let's go back to what and you said. And they broke the losing streak. They broke the losing Okay, go. You said you had the Browns over the Steelers. That's mm. saying the Browns would win. They didn't. They lost twenty-one to twenty-one. I think you assumed. Did I really say win or did I? I just think you say said over? the Browns will beat the Steelers. I actually did. Yeah, <laughs> your exact word is just I when I think oh. you could possibly be believe. any dumber. Now you could be much dumber though, because that I was kind of on that pick as well. I only saw one or two experts that were in it. I actually think now we're not awarding you any points, of course. And Jacob, I think you'll back me up on that. You are the official scorekeeper, so I don't no want to step here. on your thunder. No points. Do okay. I get a tie for a tie? No, you don't get a okay. tie for a tie. You said the Browns oh, would beat the well. Steelers. They, it was a tie, 21-21. So yeah. you see that? Now, if you did said you the have Browns a- would not lose to the Steelers, then you would get a point. Mm. Did you have any faith that on that field goal, 21-21, no. you had none at no, all? No, but let me tell you 43 why. 43 yards is none. But let me tell you why. Because the block in the back that didn't need to happen – in the the weather just Massive. turned the worst it had been. The wind was there, so and I didn't think it would be blocked. But I thought for sure this was going to be just a shank city, especially because the 
15 extra yards they were going to kick it as opposed to having a you know a little bit of a softer maybe a 30 yarder give or take and then and then I feel I would have felt good about that but the 40 plus in that after that just happened and they are the Browns learning how to win learning yeah, right right coach Sanders learning how to Full win circle. yes okay so, uh, who's their coach Jacob is it still Hugh Jackson it is, it is still uh, Hugh Jackson he's now 131 and one brilliant production how they haven't fired him yet. i mean we, it's not even the fact that i don't think he's a good coach it's the fact that when you lose that much you are in, you are, are obligated at that point to fire someone but they showed him right after the kick and he just arms crossed just kind of looked up to the sky for a second shook his head just trying to figure out what he needs to do to break that streak and get a victory sure uh for a segue here yes the kicker who got the kick blocked by the browns zane gonzalez anybody know where he went to college Arizona State, which gets me mm. to Mike's second bowl prediction Solid. here. Oh, yeah. He had Arizona State over Michigan State. <laughs> oh. The fighting Herm Edwards gave the Spartans a Herman sermon on Saturday night. Yeah, they with, did. Uh, I've in, never in pulled for Michigan State, but at two thirty in the morning, I was pulling. For was that more for Mike or <laughs> just me? Just so I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this: things didn't really unfold how I envisioned. Um, it wasn't the pass fest that I was previewing on the Friday Bowl predictions. Manny Wilkins did not look incredible. In fact, he looked really bad at some points. But uh, I believe, Jacob, you mentioned this yesterday to me in a text message that ASU is now number 23 in the country. They are. (laughs) And also, Herm Edwards has now as many wins against Mark D'Antonio that Jim Harbaugh has. Wow. That is fair. Boom. I am the smartest man alive. Yes, I am. Thank you, Jacob. You're welcome. Mm. And I am. You stubborn Stupid, silly man. Now, yep, that's, that's the backstory. There's Jacob just has ripped apart the Herm Edwards hire the entire offseason. So thank you for owning that, at least for right now. It could go bad, but right now I'm, I'm taking that as a very big positive for me and a very big negative for you, and thank you for doing the same. Hey, we're, we're very transparent here on Sanders and the sidekick. Jay, your final prediction was Trevor Lawrence takes over for Clemson in the Texas A&M game. Well, you got some playing time. First play through a touchdown pass to T. Higgins, but in the second half it was mostly Kelly Bryant. Uh, hanging on for the Clemson Tigers to get that win. So, just when I think you mm, couldn't possibly yeah. be oh for any three for you this week, huh? Yeah. So. A couple couple tough losses. I thought actually when Lawrence threw that touchdown pass, he'd get more play. He did not, and clearly I thought uh, Cleveland was not a bad selection. But yes, I was over. Yeah. Uh, and Mike, you said you'd go five and zero in fantasy. I don't have access <laughs> to your fantasy, so you're 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 on you're under oath here. How did you do uh, in fantasy last I went uh, one and four, and that's the last Ooh, thing I'm going to say okay. in today's episode. I'm not going to hear it now. Stupid, silly It's going to be a long season. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, Mike, one and two this week. Jay, 0 and three. The total standings. Mike, three and six. Made a nice comeback after week one. Jay, two and seven. That sounds about fair. That sounds fair. So that's. That's bold prediction. Jacob will be with us on Friday. I, I will say this, uh, Jacob. I actually had penciled down that I was thinking about the Arizona State as my third pick Ooh. because I, my, obviously we pick ETSU first. The second one I was going with the Browns over the, the steel curtain there. And I was thinking about Arizona State. And then when he went Arizona State, I didn't want to do what we did with Tiger Woods, so I was searching for a third one. And then that's what I drew the blank on Lawrence. But I was, I was shocked. I was shocked by that. So yeah. we'll have a fun time Let me give you a bold week. prediction, Jay. Yes. If anybody in the studio is going to do what the Tigers broadcast team did, uh, getting in a choking fight, it's going to be me and Mike Gallier. <laughs> I think that's fair. Oh, that's fair. So what do we got? Uh, tomorrow we're going to have a, uh, someone from, I believe, Hero Sports. We're working on that right now. Should have them in the second segment uh, on Tuesday's edition of Sandos and the Sidekick. I also believe 
Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I know for a fact. Angry man has already found me over the weekend to tell me he is prepared for ticked off Tuesday. So he's ready to go. Uh, we'll also take a look at the top 25s. We haven't done that so far this year, but we will do that. Later in the week, Scott Walkenheim, the head coach for the VMI Keydance, will be with us. And so uh, we'll have him also uh, try to get somebody else from VMI to talk uh, a little football as well. And the Keydance off to a tough 0-2 start. They fell 66-3 to Toledo and 59-14 in the conference opener. Wofford, last time they won was against the Bucs back in 2016. They've lost 19 straight. Can the Bucs help make it 20? We'll start looking ahead to that. Plus, we'll have sound bites from the press conference from uh, head coach Randy Sanders on the next episode. Sanders and the sidekick.